She was here on Sunday. That is good. Austin Wentz is undergoing over 100 additional chemo treatments. He takes them every day. So pray that his body will endure that. Terry Green is scheduled for surgery two days ago. So, yes? Pardon? It's not. Shall I speak louder? I will. I can do that. Ann Stevens is not well with several health problems. Kim Fowler was going to see uh, the doctor on Monday, see if she could get out of that boot. Oh, no. Kim is? Oh, no. Okay. So, uh, okay. All right. Okay, so the news is Kim's likely going to have to have surgery on her foot because it's not healing like it should. Connie Mooney is recovering from hip replacement surgery. Sue James has cancer. Quitman Wigginton is at Landmark. Randy Stutz. He's doing pretty well with his knee surgery recovery. 
Adele's Uncle Wade is still missing since June 22nd. Justin Moreland was seriously injured. He's recovering from his accident. Carolyn Wilcutt's recovering from broken bones. Ada Bullock had a good day today. So says Trina, who's really taking good care of her. So I'm glad for that. Catherine Floyd's at Landmark undergoing therapy. Samantha Carlson isn't sure about her foot yet. Doctor's going to do an MRI again, I guess. Um, how's Norma? Still struggling. Okay, Norma just has problems. We'll pray for her. Okay, I'm not going to. Uh, Melinda Hester had shoulder surgery on Tuesday, August 8th. She's been in quite a bit of pain. They couldn't do it laparoscopically, had to make long incisions, and it's going to take a while to recover. Marianne Holly is to have brain tumor surgery on the 23rd. I understand it's a, a massive tumor. Tony Presley is to have bypass surgery. Yes. Okay, had surgery. Okay, good. And doing well. Okay. Uh, Charlotte Moore's grandson, Baylor, was involved in a very serious four-wheeler accident. He has serious injuries, but is recovering okay. Uh, the other person that was in that accident is still in pretty bad shape. Uh, Cassie Stewart's father-in-law, Jerry, is recovering from surgery. Debbie Sailors, who's a friend of the Roberts, uh, developed a blister on her foot. Is any progress with that? Okay. Well, we pray that will, will resolve itself. Uh, Sam Center had a four-wheeler accident, several injuries. Bobby Petty, who's Joe Garrett's friend, has lung cancer. We had a, a preacher's meeting over here and uh, Stephen Shapley from uh, Beans Ferry, uh, he was telling me that he's really concerned. He's having some circulatory issues and supposed to get some answers from some tests that he's taken. You could tell he was pretty shaken about that. So we'll pray that all that works out. And then Elsie and Wynell, they have COVID, which a lot of people do. But um, we want to remember them in our prayers. Pardon? Kyle? Anyway, her name. 
she was in a lot of pain. You know, she was better. And I sent her home to uh, rest and heal. Okay. We'll pray for her. She used to come to church here. She's a small. She's in Ohio. Okay. Don't in Brent with us. They're not right there. Let's sing a song, then we're going to uh, have our prayer, and then we'll get into the Bible. Yay. 437. 437. Thank you so much for this wonderful day that we've experienced. All of the rain that's been falling so gently, a lot of areas around here, really grateful for that. And for the cooler temperatures, what a relief that was. We thank you that we can be together here, talk about concerns we have of folks that 
our friends or family or even just acquaintances of ours, but we want to see them better and not suffer. And so we pray for these folks that we've talked about here. I'm sure there are others that people didn't mention, but Lord, you know our hearts and we just we pour ourselves out to you in hopes that some of these folks will get better if it's your will. We ask your blessings on Irene Baker as she is dealing with terminal cancer. Pray that she'll be comforted and have good days. Bless Martha Eaton in her recovery. We pray that it'll be a full. We ask your blessings on Austin Wentz, who's undergoing a lot of treatments, that he'll bear up under that. Bless Terry Green and pray that his surgery was successful. Pray for Ann Stevens that she'll get to feeling better and have good days. And bless Kim as apparently she's received disappointing news about her foot. We pray, Lord, that whatever measures they take are going to result in her healing. Pray for Don Dawson, who is generally not well, but we just we pray that he'll see better days and be back with us very soon. Bless Connie Mooney in her recovery. Bless Sue James in her battle with cancer. Pray that Quitman will have good days over at Landmark. Bless Randy Stutz to a full recovery. Pray for the Davis family. And at this point, they're just hoping for closure, Lord, and we pray you'll give that to them. We pray for Justin Moreland and his recovery, for Carolyn Wilcutt, that she'll also recover well and that she'll have full function of her limbs again. We ask your continued blessings on Sister Bullock, and we're thankful that Trina is able to spend so much time with her and, and care for her. We pray for Catherine Floyd in her therapy, for Samantha Carlson as she's trying to get some answers about her foot injury. Bless Joan and Martha's sister, Norma, that her health issues could be resolved, if it's your will. We pray for Melinda Hester, who's undergone real serious shoulder surgery. We pray that she'll heal well and have full use for her shoulder again. Bless Marianne Holly, who's facing surgery very soon. For, we're thankful that Tony Presley did well with his bypass surgery. Bless Charlotte Moore's grandson, Baylor, and his recovery, and also the, the other person that was with him that was hurt so badly. Pray for Cassie Stewart's father-in-law. He'll have a full recovery. Bless Debbie Sailors as she's trying to find relief from problem with her foot. We pray your blessings on Sam Center that his physical injuries will heal well. Please be with Bobby Petty, who's battling lung cancer. We pray for uh, Stephen Shapley as he's experiencing some issues with his circulation. Please help the doctors to determine exactly what the problem is and then have a, a reasonable course of action to help him to get better. We pray for a lot of people that have COVID right now. LCN Wynell, the Dawson's grandson, for Sister Jane Allen. We just pray, Lord, that they'll get better and get back to the things they need to be doing. We pray for Akia Fryer, 
Sue's great niece, who's experienced this tear in the esophagus, which is very serious. And we pray that the treatments she's received are effective to produce healing and that she will heal well at home. And we pray for uh, Loretta Davis in the death of her husband. Pray for those closest around her and her friends of support that they'll be able to provide comfort for her. Lord, we have several that'll be traveling in the next few days up to the Smoky Mountains for the polishing the pulpit. And we just pray you'll give them a safe trip, that they'll have great experiences, come back re-fortified and safe. Bless us, Lord, as we open your word tonight. And we just pray that we'll all be blessed from our study together. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so we, we have identified a problem. And that is that when I ask somebody to read a scripture, while I have no problem hearing it, and sounds sounds great, oh, I just love to hear it, that those with some hearing impairments can't hear it. And also noticed that on Facebook or YouTube, when you go back to hear it again, it's not very good quality. So I'm going to try a solution, and that is I'm going to give a mic to the Bible readers. Are you excited? It's your moment for, you know, popularity. Don't get crazy and start singing a song or something. Just want you to read the scripture, okay? Uh, if I could have a volunteer of someone who will um, tonight be responsible just to read all the scriptures I asked for. Anybody do that? Rick, Rick wants to. Okay, Hollywood. <laughs> no, it's first come, first serve. So here we go. Hollywood gets it. That's his nickname from, well, I don't know. I applied it. I, I like it. Hollywood. Okay, so Rick, um, I'll ask you to read some scriptures. And while he's reading them, I, I hope that you'll uh, join with him in looking those up. Okay, so we're going to start at verse 12 of Acts chapter 1. Right now, we're going through the first two chapters of this book, and we are looking at the lead-up to and the actual event that results in the establishment of the church. That's important. I talked about that Sunday, what it takes to be in the church, exactly the same thing that it takes to be in Jesus Christ. And so we learn a lot about the Lord's implementation of the things that he had talked about to those disciples so long ago. So we're just going through it. I want to share with you some things that I think are important for you to know so that when you study it again, uh, you will, you'll have some facts that you can use that will help you maybe better understand some of the things that we read. So it says that they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem. And by the way, what had just happened? Okay, the Lord has ascended, right? Now, okay, so he died, he's resurrected. Oh, overjoyed, Jesus resurrected, yay. However, now he's leaving again. And this time, he's not... He's not coming back. In fact, uh, we...
world, which Paul says in Colossians 1 verse 23 that they were able to do. So they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. And when they had entered, entered Jerusalem, they went up into the upper room where they were staying. Peter, James, John, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James. By the way, this isn't Judas Iscariot. What happened to him? He's dead. Okay, so we're going to get a story about that in here in a second. These all, these 11, continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the woman and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. Okay, so I want to, I've been practicing with my writing. So I want to jot down some things. And a question, you, you read it. I'm just wondering if you know what a Sabbath day's journey is. How far would that be? Oh, Luther. Okay, uh, about seven-eighths of a mile. Yeah, um, so your foot, footnotes, uh, pretty close. The idea is you're going to get pretty close to a mile, but not quite. Isn't all of that just kind of, I don't really want to say it, but I'm just going to throw it out there. A lot, of what, a lot of what people did was just kind of silly, right? Trying to create instances and in following what was originally just a great rule. You know, you're going to worship God on the Sabbath day. The Jews did. And so when you do that, you need to give your attention to what? Th that, you know, serving, serving the Lord, worship Him. And don't be working and, and being, being distracted with other things. Now, something that sometimes gives people a little bit of heartburn is the statement that you saw in verse 14 where it says that among those who were there were also, well, Mary, the mother of Jesus, but it also describes what group of people? His brothers. Have you read? I'll give you, oops, I'll give you a few little pieces. One, uh, Matthew chapter 13 and verse 55. I don't know. This might be a little bit of a shock to you, but in that text, you've got a guy by the name of James a guy by the name of Joses, a guy by the name of Simon, a guy by the name of Judas, and, not mentioned here in this text, but also sisters. These are all offspring of Joseph and Mary, Mary being the mother of Jesus. Now, some religious groups assert that Mary was a perpetual virgin. Does that seem to follow according to this? No. So Mary not only gave birth to Jesus, but all these people. So that's, that's four boys and at least two women, right? There's at least six. Who knows how many sisters there were? So Mary and Joseph had a lot of children in addition to Jesus being the son of Mary. How do you rectify this? How, how do you say that Mary gives birth as a virgin to Jesus, the Son of God, while at the same time having all these kids? Is there a problem? Okay. Uh, one thing to keep in mind is he, he was her firstborn. So when he was born, what was she? 
She was, she was a virgin. In fact, the Bible goes into a great detail about the fact that she had not known a man, uh, let alone Joseph. And Joseph knew this because what did he want to do with her? I mean, the thought crossed his mind, put her away. And he loved her, so we're going to do it quietly. But you know what? I, hey, I'm, I have no part in this. Until there is, of course, in his case, too, divine intervention. So I, I, I don't see any conflict here. Yeah, Jesus is born miraculously from the Virgin Mary, but that didn't lock her into a life of perpetual virginity. She then marries Joseph and they have a family. And turns out, so Jesus, where's Jesus growing up? Did they ship him off to the temple or something? <laughs> no, he's grown up right there with them, right? So he's got all these brothers and sisters that he's the oldest in that relationship. Okay, Rick, read John chapter seven and verse five for us. See how that was going. Testing. Sounds good. Okay. The world cannot hate you, but me it hateth because I testify of it that the works thereof are evil. Is that John chapter seven? You say verse five, right? In verse That's five. John seven, seven. Okay, yeah. Okay. For neither did his brethren believe in him. Whoa! Now, if you read prior to that, you find out that that's his family. His family didn't believe in him. His family being, well, James, Joseph, Simon, Judas, the sisters. Why didn't they believe in him? At least at this juncture, early on in the ministry. What is one thing that Jesus said about the people that he grew up with. How, how did he do with that? Okay, he had no honor in his own, in, in his own country. Um, you are the successful sibling. In fact, you're way more successful than the rest of your siblings. They proud of you? Well, I hope in some cases that's true, but in a lot of cases there is what's called, and you've probably never heard of this, but there's a thing called sibling rivalry. What does that represent? Jealousy. I can't believe that. And who does, who does Jesus think he, didn't he grow up with us? You know, uh, that was the accusation. Uh, wait a minute. We know Joseph is a carpenter. Uh, uh, who is this Jesus, right? They did not ship him off to the temple. They did not dedicate him to spiritual service and learning all of, all of the things that maybe you would do to prepare a guy to be a priest or or at least in some sort of religious service. They know that that didn't happen to him. So how in the world is it that that is true? What happened between that depiction of them and now what we find in this text? At, at the very least, they all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with these brothers and his mother because what, what have they been, they've had a front row view of what sort of events. Absolutely. So, yeah, they knew him from the very beginning. And besides that, what is it that is often said about Mary as you go through the history of Jesus? Something that it just seems like she was always paying attention to. Something would happen and then what did the scriptures say she would do with it? She'd 
kind of hide it in her heart. She's just accumulating within herself all of these amazing things that she is witnessing. And as a result of, think about, think about the apostles as witnesses. How long had they been with Jesus? Three, three and a half years? Mary and those boys and the girls, they've been with Jesus. They're, well, at least with the kids, their entire lives. And now, what they see from the beginning now to the very end and how all this is... Trend, and now maybe some of that stuff mom has been telling us, wow! What we'll eventually learn is that this James that is mentioned here, well, James, he's mentioned in the um, um, Matthew 13, 55 text, that James actually becomes a pillar in the Jerusalem church. So there's a huge change that takes place in these relationships. Absolutely. An elder in the, in the church there in Jerusalem. So pr pretty amazing development that goes on there. But we're still talking about witnesses, right? Are, are these valid witnesses? These, these are people who know everything about what's going on. And in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples. Altogether, the number of names was about 120. I want you to notice something about verse 15 that's different from what happened from verse 1 until now. And that is, we have a change of a scene. It's pretty subtle, right? But when he says, and in those days, he's saying, I'm now about to describe an event for you that happened when? On that day? This also happened. So Peter stands up in the midst of the disciples. Now we've gone from the 11 that we described, actually named every single one of them. Now we've gone to what group? Well, it says altogether, all number was about 120. Now we've got what? A, a crowd, okay? And, and here's what Peter said. Men and brethren, this scripture had to be fulfilled, which Holy Spirit spoke before by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus and obtained a part in this ministry. Okay, I want to stop right there because there's an interesting text. He doesn't give us the text. Now, he's going to give us some texts, but he doesn't give us the one that he's talking about right here. Uh, one of those is Psalm. Get ready, Rick. This is your cue. Psalm 41 and verse 9. And then we're going, to com we're going to compare that, okay, to John chapter 13 and verse 18. I think this is pretty neat. Okay, so the first text is what he describes as David talking about what was going to happen. Okay, so what does David say was going to happen? Psalm 41 verse 9. Yes, sir. Yea, yea, mine own familiar friend, in whom I trusted, which did eat of my bread, hath lifted up his heel against me. Oh, there it is. Okay, so we've got some clues right there. Now, look at this text from John 13, verse 18. John 13, verse 18. Keep, put that other one in your computer real quick, or if you have those... Uh, bookmarks that God gave you that are on the end of your hand. You can stick one finger in there and hold it. Okay? Read that. Text. I speak not of you all. I know whom I have chosen, but that the scripture may be fulfilled. 
He that eateth bread with me hath lifted up his heel against me. Oh, anybody know who that's going to be? That's Judas. He, he is quoting what David said in Psalm 41, verse 9. He says, that is, a, that is happening right here in this moment. And so the other disciples are kind of like, wait, what happened? You know, who did that? They, they're, do you ever just laugh or chuckle within yourself when you see Jesus' interaction with these hand-picked disciples he's got? I mean, yes. I can't answer that because we're also going to have a Galilee statement here in this text. Yeah, I'll have to look at that. I'm not sure about that. But thank you for bringing that up. Just dredging it up out of the, the silky, dirty bottom and throwing it out there. Yeah, that's interesting. Quite, I don't know. I don't know. Okay, so prophecy. John says, whoa. Jesus says, whoa. The, here's the scripture, y'all, is about to be fulfilled. Now, pay attention, but th th they missed it, right? Okay, so let's, let's keep going with our text. Um, men and brethren, this scripture had to be fulfilled. Psalm 41, verse 9, which the Holy Spirit spoke before the mouth of David concerning Jesus, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus, for he was numbered with us and obtained a part in this ministry. Wait, he was numbered with us. What is the number? The number is 12. He was one of the 12. He had a part in this ministry. However, that has been forfeited. Why is that? Well, now this man, he purchased a field with the wages of iniquity, falling headlong, burst open in the middle. All of his entrails gushed out. You know what that means? I don't have to describe that to you, do I? Okay. <laughs> uh, he rotted hanging up there, and when he fell, his guts came out. Okay, there it is. Um, just throw it out there. Uh, and it became known to all those dwelling in Jerusalem. So the field is called in their language, Akeldamah. That is the field, field of blood. Okay, so, okay, so we, we've got, oops, I meant to bring those down here. Got too excited. Okay, so we know that's being fulfilled. What he's going to do next is he's going to be like, okay, let's take, Let's take that a step further. Because since he was, he was numbered among the 12, which we're going to find out was a necessary number, then that work that had been assigned to him still has to be fulfilled. Now, there are a couple of quotations that he's going to make. You don't have to read these, Rick, because they're going to be in the text. But I want you to, want you to mark these down beside those texts, if you will, so that you'll know them for future reference. One is Psalm 69 and verse 25. And the other one is Psalm 109 and verse 8. Okay, let's see what happens. Oops. Let's see what happens here. It's written in the book of Psalms. This is our first one. Let his dwelling place be desolate and let no one live in it. And let another take his office. Okay. Here's another thing that I'm kind of amazed at. So when these New Testament writers, by inspiration, bring out these texts and make application to historic events, things that everybody were witness to, they're, they're effectively, from our own reading, like, like the first time that you would have read Psalm 41, 
or the first time that you would have read Psalm 69, or the first time you would have read Psalm 109, when you read through that, would you have, as a Jew, put in your mind, boy, one of these days, that Messiah is going to have a turncoat, going to have somebody that is really going to cause problems. Just go ahead and shake your head this way. You would not have gotten that. No, no. In fact, what did they not do after centuries and centuries and centuries of studying these texts? They didn't know that. The only way we know that those texts make that application is because of what? The Scripture just told us that. We wouldn't have dredged all that out. It, 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 it blows my mind how many times in the New Testament Scriptures, a lot of times that happens in the Gospels, Jesus will do it himself. But even when, uh, like Paul in his letters, will reference Old Testament Scriptures, he will bring out texts that have a particular meaning within the context in the sense of the context for the time that would have applied in a very specific situation. They take those texts. We would call, we would call a preacher who did that today, we'd say, well, he's cherry-picking those texts. You know, he's going out there and picking the ones he wants. And he's, What's the difference between what I might would do if I just go and pick texts and say, well, I know that's what that sounds like, but here's what it means, as opposed to what your reading's happening right here. Okay, the Holy Spirit knew exactly what it is that he was doing when he said that, and when we read it, we never get it until it's told us. Is, does that make sense then that Jesus had come back, he comes back, and he opens up people's minds to an understanding of the Scripture? Because they had read those Scriptures hundreds of times, literally hundreds of times, and never picked this stuff up because the Holy Spirit had written a message there that unless... Unless Jesus, who's the fulfillment of those scriptures, comes along and says, this is that, then we otherwise would not know. And, and here are a bunch, just, you know, we're getting a sprinkling of that right here at one of the most dramatic events that happened in the first century. So it says, these things were written and they're being fulfilled by this event. Therefore, of these men who have accompanied us, all the time that Lord uh, Jesus went in and out among us, beginning at the baptism of John to that day when he was taken up from us, one of these must become a witness uh, uh, with us of his resurrection. Are those some pretty high qualifications? This job was not for just anybody. And the thing is, they are going to become literally witnesses. Out of that word comes the word martyr. People who, based on the knowledge that they have, would die for this cause. These are people who actually, literally saw the things happen. They experienced it. Sometimes we read along and we say, well, it was only the apostles who experienced that. Bingo, guess what? Not so. There were a lot of people. You ever remember that... For instance, um, when Jesus turned the uh, fish and the loaf pieces into uh, food for 5,000, how many witnesses did we have of that event? 5,000 maybe times three. I don't know, 15,000, 20,000 people. They all, okay. But there was an inner circle, not, not just the 12, but a group of people that went with Jesus all over the place. And 
He says what we're looking for are those people who had been from the very beginning of his ministry until the time that he has been taken up from us. Not just the resurrection, but to the time that what happened? He has ascended to the Father. That is going to be tough. They proposed two. Are you surprised? I kind of am. Really? There were two? I would have think, wow, there's nobody fit that. But there were two. There was Joseph called Bersabbas, who was named a surname Justice, and Matthias. I always make this joke. I know it's not really funny. It's kind of like a dad joke. But I always say the reason that they called Matthias is because this other guy didn't fit the Apostle song. Do you know the third verse of the Apostle song? Matthias then took Judas's place to preach to men of every race. You know that verse? Paul three preaching trips to make a winter run for Jesus' sake. Okay, well now you know it. Okay, so it wouldn't fit that song right if instead of saying Matthias, then you had to say uh, Joseph called Bersabbas, who was surnamed Justice, then took Judas's place. That doesn't work, does it? It's too hard for the kids. So they chose Matthias. No, wait, why did they choose Matthias? Let's find out. They prayed... And they said, you, O Lord, who know the hearts of all, show which of these two you have chosen to take part in this ministry and apostleship from which Judas by transgression fell, that he might go to his own place. They cast lots, Lot fell on Matthias. He was numbered with the eleven, and then that makes twelve apostles. Wait a minute. I know what you're thinking. Stop there. Why in the world did they cast lots? Casting lots was by this time an archaic way of discerning what the will of God is. Because, you know, every time Jesus wanted to know the will of God, what did he do? Just listen to God. God spoke to him. In fact, on several occasions, other people heard God speaking to him. So why not just say, Lord, speak to us. Or, you know, that Holy Spirit is going to be our, our ticket. Have the Holy Spirit tell us this so that we don't have to cast lots. Now that could have been rolling dice. It could have been something as simple as drawing straws. You know, it was a way of secretly ascertaining the will of God. Why didn't the Holy Spirit step in here and just tell them what to do? Or an angel. Why not? Okay, that might be true, but there is something that is so apparent here. Okay, Jesus has picked the others. Why not let him pick this one? Why else wouldn't we ask the Holy Spirit to intervene? Yes! Thank you. Um, what did Jesus say was going to have to happen that apparently, until it happens, isn't able to happen? The Holy Spirit. He hasn't sent the Holy Spirit yet. When was he going to send the Holy Spirit? No. No. In Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost. Now, he didn't say when that was going to happen. He said, you just go to Jerusalem and Jerusalem and wait for it. Well, they go to Jerusalem. Holy Spirit hadn't come yet. What do they have to do? They pray to the Lord and hope that he will indicate through the casting of lots that this is, is... Are things going to get a lot easier? Could you imagine how hard this would have been for this group in particular? I'm thinking about this group have a hard time already. Can you imagine them trying to discern the will of God as they're going on their missionary trips casting lots to decide? No. God had a solution, did he not? 
Absolutely he did. He sent the Holy Spirit. Oh, here we are, chapter 2. Now, the kids are rolling in here, so this is, this is a great place. Okay, so what we've done up until this point, we have built our foundation. We've got things set to go. Oh, I was going to ask you real quick. Maybe you can study on this later. Um, why did we need 12 apostles? Matthew 19, verses 28. This is important. Good, if you would read that. Matthew 19, 28 and 29. Why do we need 12 apostles? Why wasn't 11 enough? Why do we need 12 in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost when the gospel is being preached for the very first time to the Jews who are coming there from every nation? Go ahead, Rick. Matthew 19, 28 and 29. And Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that ye which have followed me in the regeneration when the Son of Man shall fit, sit in the throne of his glory, also shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Has, has uh, Jesus been regenerated? We just read the story of it. Is Jesus now with the Father on the right hand of God? Yes, he ascended to that position. What is about to happen when the gospel is preached to the Jews who crucified their Messiah? What is the gospel message for them? It is God's judgment on them. No wonder they cry out what? What must we do? Because we are convicted in that we have crucified the Son of God. And by the way, that kind of explains why it is that in chapter 12 at verse 2, there is an apostle who is put to death for the first time. First, James is put to death. Did they replace him? Did they have another gathering and say, well, we had another one fall and we still have to have 12, so they did. it wasn't necessary because they had already functioned in the role of being a what over Israel? A judge over Israel. That was their opportunity. This is the presentation of the gospel to Israel. Were there Jews represented there from every nation? Yes, there were. And that judge, that's the sense of judgment. Okay, we're going to stop right there and begin chapter 2 next time. Thanks.
right, let's go ahead and get started tonight if we can. We are truly grateful that you're here tonight, and if you are visiting with us, it's an honor to have you. We want you to come back and be with us anytime you have an opportunity. We'll have a worship service this coming Sunday morning at 9.30, and excellent Bible classes for all ages at 5 o'clock, and we'd love for you to come and be with us this coming Lord's Day. I hope you got a copy of the bulletin tonight. If you didn't, they should be available in, uh, by one of the exits. And uh, please uh, take note of those that are sick, especially we want to mention Brother Don Dawson. Uh, Brother Don's having a real difficult time. He's already dealing with a lot of health issues, and now he's got COVID. So in a minute, I'm going to lead a prayer on his behalf. We, he's requested that we do that, so we'll do that in just a minute. Also, the Apologetics Press Benefit Dinner is going to be on Thursday the 25th at 6 o'clock at the Henderson Church Building. Uh, more information about that's in the bulletin. Also, visitation assignments are at the welcome desk in the foyer, and uh, Dale encourages you to pick those up tonight if at all possible. Uh, ladies' Bible class is going to resume this coming Tuesday, August the 23rd at 9.30 a.m. in the Annex. And uh, if you are a lady in this congregation and that time fits into your schedule, I would strongly encourage you to be a part of that. I've heard so many comments about the outstanding job that Sister Janita does in this class, the scholarly as well as practical applications that are made in that class and uh, I think if you are one of our ladies uh, I think you would do well and benefit tremendously by being a part of that Bible class and I think inviting maybe a friend uh, that's not a member here to come with you I think that would really really accomplish a great deal so please keep that in mind uh, Hills Chapel's gospel meeting is next week August 21st to the 24th with Chad Bowen uh, he'll be speaking at 7 o'clock each evening through Wednesday, and the bus is going to leave on Monday, uh, leave the annex at 6.30. Tomorrow, our food pantry and clothes closet will be open, and if you'd like to help with that, we certainly can use your help, and the pantry item this week is vegetable oil. For our devotional tonight, uh, uh, Ken is going to be leading our singing, and Brother Adam Carlson will lead us in prayer. Before we do that, let's... Uh, Think about Brother Don Dawson as well as others that need our prayers. We bow with me. Our merciful and kind Heavenly Father, we are, we are grateful that we have an opportunity like tonight to assemble, to study your word, to grow spiritually. And Father, we are particularly mindful of many that we know who are sick and in need of our prayers. But our friend and brother Don Dawson requests our prayers tonight on his behalf as he's dealing with a lot of uncertainty with his health right now. And Father, he has a lot of responsibilities and he wants to be strong. He wants to be more useful and effective in your service. And Father, we pray that you would strengthen him, that you would uh, heal the sicknesses that plagues him right now. And we pray, Father, that he can be restored to a portion of his health and to be able to do those things he desires to do. And Father, we pray for all others who need our prayers at this time as well. And it's in your son's name that we pray. Amen.
Go ahead and mark in your psalm book number 869. We're marching to Zion. This will be our song of invitation following our talk. 869. And after you've marked that, then, well, just leave it open there. We're going to sing 870, Beyond This Land of Parting. 870. Beyond the sun and parting, received word a minute ago that our college class tonight they had 59 present that's the first time they've met this year so it's only going to go up from there probably so that's a very good number and that's very encouraging and we're very thankful for our college students and the ministry that is provided to them I want to challenge you tonight to think about this as you go about your everyday life tomorrow and every day I, I want you to be the reason you need to be the reason that somebody smiles today. You need to be the reason that Jesus smiles today. Be the reason that someone finds hope today. Be the reason that somebody feels better about themselves today. Be the reason that somebody moves closer to God today. Be the reason that somebody learns the gospel today. Be the reason a hungry person gets fed today. Be the reason that a lost soul is found today. Be the reason that a child is loved today. Be the reason that a sick friend is encouraged today. Be the reason that an addiction is broken today. Be the reason that a conflict 
ends today. Be the reason that the church gets stronger today. Be the reason that the church is spoken well of today. Be the reason that Satan frowns today. And above all, be the reason that God is glorified today. The Bible says in Galatians 6 and verse 9, let us not grow weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap if we don't lose heart. You know, there's so many opportunities to, to do good on a daily basis. We can't let those opportunities just go by without taking advantage of them. That's why Jesus challenges us to let your light so shine before men that others may see your good works. Glorify your Father which is in heaven. Is your light shining today? Are you living a life of a faithful Christian? Could it be tonight that you need to make that decision to even become a Christian? You can do that even before you leave this building tonight. Your faith in Jesus Christ can lead you to change your life and repentance and you can be baptized, immersed in water tonight on the confession of your faith and you can know the forgiveness of sins and the hope of heaven when this life is over. So tonight we extend the Savior's invitation if you need to come. We ask that you come now while we stand and sing. Come we Let's bow together, please. Our Heavenly Father, we come and we come at this time so grateful for this great privilege that we've had to be able to assemble here together this evening and to spend this time in further examination of your word. And may we take to heart the various things that we studied in our respective classes and that we will take those things and that we'll be able to apply them in every proper way and that we'll be able to live out these things to the best of our ability and that we may be able to show those things to others as well as we 
have the opportunity. We're grateful for the presence of each and every one that is here this evening. We likewise ask you to be with, watch over those that are not with us, especially those that are struggling in various ways with their physical health, and we pray that you will comfort and strengthen them and their caregivers, and if it be your will, that they might soon return to us. We ask you to be with those that are struggling with their faith for whatever reason, and if we have the opportunity, may we minister to them in some way as well. And we just ask you to grant us safety and peace as we depart, and if it be your will, may we be able to return once more. And for these things we ask, and in Christ's name, amen.